Welcome to the ministry of the International Christian Assembly in Southeast Spain. We are here for the purpose of worshipping God and reaching others with love. We pray that as you listen, you will be inspired and challenged in your walk with God. Good morning, everyone. We're going to spend just a few minutes in uh, the Word of God, Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through uh, 8. So if you would uh, go ahead and uh, go uh, to your Bible, to your book, uh, I mean, to your uh, phones or whatever you use, we're going to read through just uh, these two verses, Micah chapter 6, it's the Fifth book, if you're using a regular Bible, is about the fifth book from Matthew going backwards. It's one of the small prophets, one of the minor prophets. We, uh, this, uh, these verses are quite well known in, uh, in, in Scripture. Most people have heard them at one point or another. And um, we'll just uh, give a bit of a devotional off of, the, off of this passage. We, we spent, what was it, uh, 11 or 12 uh, weeks going through Isaiah chapter 53, and, and that was, uh, for me, a very enriching uh, time of Scripture. Uh, so, but we, we want to uh, move on. Uh, verses 6 through 8 of Micah, let's, uh, let's pray before we read. Father, would you just uh, speak to our hearts and guide us as uh, we look into your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Verse 6 says this, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with uh, burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions uh, for my for my transgression, the the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul, he has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Um, when you look at Micah six eight and you do a little bit of looking around what's there, you find that uh, it is considered one of the finest summaries of practical, what they considered practical religion in the Old Testament. It is not just some random verse that you sort of pick up. Actually, the rabbis of old called this verse the summary of the whole law. Micah 6 involves an imaginary conversation. It actually is really worth going through it a little more in detail because the conversation is God is actually bringing a, um, a, a, a legal suit against Israel. It involves this conversation between the Lord and Israel. And in verses 1 through 5, which we did not read, the Lord introduces a case against um, the disobedient Israel. And he gathers the mountains, the trees. He gathers all nature to hear the case that he had or that he wishes to bring against Israel. 
Once he presents his case in verses 1 through uh, 5, verses 6 uh, through 8, uh, well, verses 6 and 7 really records Israel's response to the case that he presents to them. And uh, it's a series of questions, sort of very religious questions that Israel answers. It begins in verse 6 with, what shall I come to the Lord with? What, what, what am I to bring God? So God is not happy with me. What am I supposed to do? It's basically what you have in verse 6. Now, Israel's focus is on their external religious rights. And it's just not, it's not just them. You know, mankind as a whole who doesn't understand the concept of relationship, the truth of scripture about being born from above, we, we tend to think that you, you come to God on a religious level of what I do. How do I appease God with my actions? So their questions show this progression that is really interesting. Uh, it goes from the lesser to the greater, from the lesser... Um, sacrifice per se to the greater sacrifice to get God's attention and to get or, or earn his merit, his forgiveness. <clears throat> so the first thing they ask God is, would he be satisfied with burnt offerings of year old calves? So would you like that? Would, would that appease you? <clears throat> Verse six. Then the, he says, well, offerings require, the, the, this wasn't new, these are offerings that were required in the law. Then the second one they say is this. What if we bring you thousands of rams with 10,000 rivers of oil? So they kind of they kick it up a notch, right? And this is a bit hyperbole because... It's such an offering so large that it would mean either very wealthy people or a very large community of people coming to him with this offering. <clears throat> when he says thousands of rams with 10,000 rivers of oil. And then they say one more thing. So that again, kick it up yet another notch. They say, well, what if I just bring you my firstborn? What if I just bring you my child? What if I would offer my sons as sacrifices to you? And at that point, you have to start asking yourself, do they understand what they're doing? Would you ask yourself, would that be enough for God? Is that enough if we just begin to offer our children or perhaps the question would be, would God be pleased with that? And the answer is, of course, not. They, they've never understood. If they, they're still grasping, grappling with the concept of who God is. And I wanna, if I had the time, I, wanna, I would put, put before you two verses. Let me read to you Deuteronomy 10, 12. I want to read it to you, and as I read it, here's what you need to understand. Deuteronomy is the book that uh, uh, Moses records right before they step into the promised land. So they've been 
in the desert. They've come out of Egypt. They spent 40 years going around in the desert. This is the second law. He prepares them to take on the new, the, the, uh, the, the new land that has been offered to them. And, and in, this, in this verse, listen to what God is asking of them. This is God asking. Verse 12. He says, and now Israel, what does the Lord require? What does the, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Now, if you would if you could hear that in its, in its reading, this is a very heartfelt asking of God to them. He's sort of telling them how this whole walking with him is supposed to look like. Um, uh, he's given them the law in the desert and so on, but that generation died out. This generation, sort of a new generation, they're about to walk into the promised land, and he reminds them what is it that God is asking of them? Now, speed forward 600 plus years, almost 700 years later. Now, you know, when you're doing something for 700 years, you would think you get it right, right? You would think that you would understand the reason, the cause, the effect. So you speed it up 700, 600 plus years later, and this is what you get in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. We're coming to a point when they're about to go into exile. They're about to disappear for 70 years out of the land to Babylon. And the prophet is speaking to them, and he brings this, this, this condemning statement in verses 1 through 5 from God, where he is saying to them, Listen, you guys have been horrible at attending to me, at doing what I have asked you to do, at, at serving the way I've asked you to serve. And he says it one more time. He says, he has told you, O man, verse 8, what is good, same thing as in the other verse, what is good for, for you, not for God, for you. He says, he has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Now, if you would compare those two verses, you would see that there is a repetitive statement there. And it's, what does the Lord your God require of you? Both times says the same thing. What's worth noting, not the same word. See, in, in Deuteronomy, at the beginning, when they were first learning to walk with God, God says, I am asking you. I am asking you. He says, I'm asking you to walk in all my ways. I am asking you to love me. I am asking you to serve me. I am asking you to keep the commandments that I have given to you. I am asking. 600 years later, this is what you get. In Micah 6, 8, I am demanding. I demand. He's not asking anymore. 
Separate word. I know in, the, uh, in most of our English translations, they use the same word, but they're not in the Hebrew. They're actually two different words. One is shal, the other one is dush. And, the, and, and the, the, the word in Micah is, I demand that you do this. Because they weren't doing it. And here he is 600 years plus later having to tell them again what they should have already figured out. And so we titled it for today, Living in the Yellow. I have a little photo that uh, maybe helps you to understand what I'm trying to get to. See, this is what I mean when I say living in the yellow. I don't care what color you want to put there, put blue, put red, I don't put green or whatever your color is. But the idea is live in that color where you are in the center of justice, mercy, and humility. How do you live there? How do, we, how do we live in a constant state right there? Because in verse 8 he says, this is what God demands of you. He's not asking anymore. He's tired of asking. Because we're so disobedient. He says, now I'm demanding. I'm demanding of you to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. I thought that's worth noting. He's not asking you anymore. He's moved up a step and said, now I'm demanding because you don't seem to get it. The first two requirements are horizontal and govern the relationship with other people. Justice, mercy. The third one is vertical and deals with us and God. Think through that for a little bit. You should start to see a pattern. So let's go to our first point. Let's, we need to move quickly. The first one is an action. He's asking an action of you. He is asking an action of us. Do justice. Act justly. It would have been understood by Micah's audience as living with a sense of right and wrong. In particular, the judicial courts and the responsibility to provide equity and protect the innocent. Injustice is not a thing of the present. Injustice is the thing of forever. Injustice has always been a problem. And so in the book of Micah, you have all these writings in chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 6, where God is saying, you have not acted justly. And now I'm demanding that you do so. And they should have woken up. They should have, they should have got it. But do you know how I know they didn't? Because they still got sent to Babylon. They still were seen as disobedient. They never rectified. And God sent them to Babylon. There are four ingredients of justice that we were, it would be worth for us to look at. One is lawfulness. Treat people lawfully. Treat people impartially. Number three, treat people proportionately. And number four, treat people equitably. If we would talk about treating people lawfully, we would summarize the second half of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Um, uh, don't bear false witness and don't covet. And we would explain all of that. 
By the way, there's series that we've done on the Ten Commandments. We've taken time to explain these things. But it's about how we treat people on the basis of lawfulness according to what God has asked is to be how we are to love. Number two, treat people impartially. Show no favoritism, prejudice to those that are the bearers of God's image. We're all the bearers of God's image. And therefore, we are called to treat each other impartially. We are to deal honestly as we use the word of God. We, we can't use the Bible to manipulate people. It's, it's meant for us to teach each other what the word says. Number three, treat people proportionately. Doing justice doesn't mean that uh, everybody gets a trophy when they participate. I don't know where on earth our, our generations have gotten to that point. You know, a murderer shouldn't be treated the same as a person who steals, right? That's not the same. There is proportionate. The Bible teaches justice and calls us to treat people proportionately. This is what uh, Paul says. He says, a runner runs, runners run, he says, but only one obtains the prize. Did you know that God actually rewards on the basis of proportionate action? Don't be surprised about it. it. Not everybody gets the prize. Only the ones that run and get there first get the prize. And then you have to treat people equitably. Give what is due. You know, it amazes people when they read the Bible and find out that Jesus Christ is going to return. And it says, to repay according to what we have done. And it scares us. Why? Because we haven't done right. And so we, because of it, we, we, we start thinking, well, but, but shouldn't he just be fair to everybody? Shouldn't everybody be treated the same way? Well, has everybody treated him the same way? Has everybody followed out his, his teaching, his principles, his commands of how we're to live as believers, as light, as people of a different kind? And so Paul says in the, the idea of equity that uh, we are to pay uh, all, uh, uh, repay according to what has been done is what Jesus is going to do. Paul then tells us, pay to all what is owed to them, uh, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Owe no man anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So justice, justice. We are to do justice. We are to be fair in all of our judgment. And what happens when a person is then guilty? What happens when a person then is guilty? Well, if we're wrong, people are wrong or wronged us. He says, love kindly. Love kindly. Uh, some translations use the word here for mercy. Which brings us then to this second point, our affection. Love kindness. Love mercy. This contains, by the way, a very important word that is repeated some 247 times in the Old Testament, which means loyal love or loving kindness. 
So along with justice, Israel was to provide mercy. Both justice and mercy are fundamental to God's character. So God expects his people to show love to their fellow man and to be loyal in their love toward him. Just as he has been loyal to the nation, to us as a people. There are some God traits in Malachi chapter 7. And uh, again, no time to go look at them. But uh, it's kindness and forgiveness and mercy. As God is, God demands that we would show loving kindness. He demands that you act in a loving, kind way to one another. He doesn't just say, be kind. He says, I demand that you would love kindness. And number three, the third uh, point here is our attitude. He says, walk humbly. Walk humbly is a description of the heart's attitude toward God. God's people depend on him rather than on his own abilities. You are to depend on God, not on what you're able to do, not on your strength, not on your knowledge, not on your financial stability. You're to depend on God. And so he says, walk humbly. We humbly recognize that no amount, uh, that, that no amount of personal sacrifice can replace a heart committed to justice, to love. So Israel's rhetorical question that had this three-part, should we just do sacrifices of one-year-olds? Should we bring you a lot of rams and a lot of oil? Should we just sacrifice our children? God responds in a, in a, in a three-level rhetorical concept also. It contains this similar progress. The response is a godly heart outward. Do justice. Inward, love mercy. Upward, walk humbly. God requires that you walk humbly. You know, the unhumble, the unhumble Christian, the unhumble believer shows that they've never seen God. Let me, let me tell you why. In the book of Isaiah, which we spent a few weeks on that one chapter, one of, the, one of the most famous parts of that book is Isaiah 6. And Isaiah sees God, he sees a Christophany of Jesus sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And do you know what his response is when he sees God? You know, woe is me. You know, why didn't he say, yo, bro, what's up? Give me five. Because you know, when you see God, you react a lot different than when you hear about God. Daniel said this when he had a vision of God. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. We can have no feeling of pride, greatness, when we have a genuine encounter with God. We see his holiness, his majesty, his power, and we see how little we are, how small we are, 
how tinted we are. And so he says, walk with your God. Walk with your God. In this verse, and I want to, I just want to make this clear. I, uh, uh, Malachi 6, 8 is not a ladder. It is not a ladder to climb up. It is not a ladder to get to God. You, 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 I, if you are hearing me say, if, what's, if what you're hearing is, do justice, love kindness, walk humbly, and then God will receive you, you're not hearing me. This is not a message for the world. This is a message for the believers. I demand that if I have saved you, this is how you are to live. If you have seen me, if indeed you have had an encounter with me, then this should be the, the, the outward expression of your life, your inward heart, and your, and your visible walk. God requires that we be lovingly kind, that we would be just toward our neighbors, and that we would lovingly submit to him. Not so that we get to heaven, but because we have been granted the gift of eternal life. God demands that you walk in the yellow. Can we put that back up again, please? Do you see what God is saying here? That somehow your life has got to, has got to have an outward expression of justice to the fellow man, of loving mercy to those that do you wrong, and of a humble understanding of what it means to walk with God. Verse 8, do justice, love kindness, walk humbly. Now I want to close with this thought. So you say, well, the truth, Rafa, is I, I failed. I fail at it. Well, all I would say to you is welcome to reality. Perhaps what we should do ourselves is first embrace his justice and his kindness to our lives. And we should pray, God, cause me to. God, Help me to carry out. God, cause me to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with you in spite of who we are. Amazed that he would choose to use these vessels in spite of who we are. That he would choose to use us A very simple, very well-known verse applied to the people of God. Be equitable in your dealings with one another. And when you're wrong, grant mercy as it was granted to you. And above all, walk humbly before God. And he will be the one to lift you up. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, it is always good 
to take a good look inside, to look at your word and have it shine a light into our day-to-day understanding of who we are and who you are. And the challenge is always there. The challenge is always there. To take what you teach us and to put it to practice. To not just be hearers, but doers. Obedient doers of your command, of your demand. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the ministry of the International Christian Assembly, a ministry of AMG Spain and AMG International. For more information, please visit our website at www.rcatorrevieja.org. This audio file is not copyrighted.